Hi, welcome to the first episode of Valerie Voiceover. I am Valerie, and I recently finished my audiobook demo for my website. And I was thinking about other things that I could do to help out other noobs like me in the voiceover profession. And I thought, I'll make a podcast. Perfect application of using my voice in long form projects as well as helping out some of you creating your own career and getting you there quicker because I definitely took many, many steps to get to this point. Internet searches are great, but sometimes they can be pretty fruitless and you're thinking, what the heck is the next step? And so I thought, you know, maybe I could help someone else out by, you know, telling them literally in full detail what I've been doing since I had my light bulb moment of, I want to try voiceover. You know, the honest truth is for some of the companies that I have worked with, they do have testimonials on their websites that you can read. You can read through, you know, five of them. You can read through all 50 million of them. But as a skeptic myself, I'm always wondering, you know, how accurate is this testimonial? Not that I think people are necessarily lying, but you're not maybe going to get into the nitty gritty details of literally how much everything costs to start up or how much time it has to take or, you know, just even what you do next. And it's kind of like in the movies where that's it. That's the ending. And well, what the heck do I do next? So because this is going to be a very long introductory podcast, I figured I would split it up into four to kind of break it down into the steps that seemed logical to me. We'll see at the end of the day if it sounds logical to you as well. So this first one is just going to be an introduction to me and kind of where I started with everything. At the end, I have a few recommendations for books to read from my college advisor. So hopefully that can get you on the right foot towards a path in a voiceover career. Podcast two is going to go into the nitty gritty details of what I did right when I was first starting with voiceover, including some webinars I took, uh, the beginning equipment, and starting auditions. Podcast three is going to get into the actual demos that I did for my professional website, including my commercial demo, my narration demo, and my audiobook demo. I did them through two different companies, so I'll go into more of the nitty gritty details of how I found these places, the process that they have, who my coaches were, and what we would do in our sessions. So really get down to what happened in the entire process of getting your demo because every studio is going to be different and just between the two that I used there was a huge difference on how they kind of run their process to get you into the studio to record the actual demo and how you get the pieces that you are going to put on your demo and the fourth podcast is going to be kind of like a what's going on now I did my commercial and narration demos in January of 2016 And so I've had those to work with over the past few years while I was still working on getting my audiobook demo put together. And so I was on some various pay to play sites. I've done auditions through other means. And so I wanted to talk a little bit more about actually doing the professional auditions and the various ways that I've been doing that in these past few years. After that, I figured that we could go on with each podcast, maybe taking a topic a week. It's very important to keep up with the times for this industry because it is so ever-changing, literally probably month to month. Things tweak a little bit. So I figured I'd put in my research for the week 
and then do a podcast about what I looked up that week. Maybe we talk about equipment. Maybe we talk about new methods of auditioning, since most of these are online now. Uh, Maybe we'll talk about different casting agencies, different ways to get your demo out there. And maybe even one week I can talk about how I created my website, since that is going to be a very important step to getting your name out there and getting jobs. Maybe eventually, if I get technologically savvy enough, I can take questions from you guys and maybe look those up too and see if I can help you guys out directly with one-on-one questions. So to start, I went to college after high school. I went to Clarkson University and I have a degree in civil engineering. I work for the New York State Department of Transportation as a professionally licensed civil engineer. That's my day job. In 2009, I was thinking about what I really wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I had been working for a while with my same position with NYSDOT. And I was just having a dark night of the soul, if you will. I started thinking about what I really wanted to do with the rest of my life and if I was happy with the path I was taking or if I really wanted to shake something up. I ended up going back to school in my hometown of Plattsburgh, New York, because SUNY Plattsburgh had the best program available that was also affordable for the SUNY schools in New York State. So I applied in November of 2009 for the communications program of SUNY Plattsburgh, and I was accepted into the program starting for the spring semester in January 2010. So I had a very quick turnaround of getting myself back there, kind of doing the whole shift of mindset from a full-time employee to someone who is back in the classroom with professors and other students and kind of learning everything you can about the program. And because I had my previous degree, I only had to go back for two years and a summer. And I graduated in December of 2011 with a bachelor's degree in communications. So one of the big things for starting off and using your voice is joining the various radio stations of the college. I ended up being on the college radio station, which was 93.9 FM, WQKE, The Quake. That was the kind of personal radio station. You get to make your own show. You get to pick all the music, anything you wanted, one to two hours a week. The name of my show was The Revival, so I could bring back some of the stuff that I listened to in college. Uh, The other radio station I was part of for school was called Warp, W-A-R-P, an internet radio station that also played on the college public access channel on cable and was one hour a week, and that was all world beat music. Both very good opportunities for getting yourself, you know, acclimated to the radio side of audio radio production and really taught you how to be a part of a radio station and the various jobs that you could have while you were there, including production, promos, community service, engineering work, how you actually produce shows, how you actually produce stingers and tags and promos for other people's shows. We ended up using Adobe Audition at school. The one we were using was 3.0. I believe they have a new version now. That's going to be the program that you use to actually record something on. And you can do editing in that program. Um, You can do effects. You can do, you know, multiple tracks. Because I was an adult student and had a degree previously, um, I was able to finish up my new four-year degree in four semesters in a summer. So I basically went back for January 2010 and then graduated in December of 2011. 
Pretty much, I hit the ground running and started looking for jobs that I could do part-time with the audio radio production degree. And I was in the right place at the right time and ended up getting a job as a weekend DJ at one of the local radio stations for the North Country of New York in Saranac Lake. And I got the job working with Mountain Communications starting in January of 2012. And I actually worked for three of the radio stations there. It seems like a lot, but in actuality, I just had two six-hour shifts on the weekend to record the shows that would play on Saturday and Sunday. So first off, I did the weather for the AM station, WNBZ, stuffed that in to the various shows that were playing on the AM station, since most of those were syndicated programs. I was on the classic rock station, Rock 105, which broadcasted to the Tri-Lake area, which includes Lake Placid, Tupper Lake, and Saranac Lake. That station was basically your 100% classic rock station, playing music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even some of the 90s. It was all pre-programmed, but I could move any of the songs around that I wanted to or add in some of my favorites from Pink Floyd or Rolling Stones or whoever. I talked about a lot of sports, television shows that were catered to that demographic, articles from Rolling Stone magazine. I got to talk about the Olympics because the Olympics were going on during the summer of 2012, so that was perfect. I also got to work for their top 40 station, Y106.3. That one actually broadcast a lot further, so people from Plattsburgh through the Tri-Lake area over in Burlington, Vermont, and even as far west as Malone, New York, could hear that station. Being top 40, it was more poppy. Clearly, it's going to be your latest hits. Again, all programmed. This one, I really couldn't change the songs too much. So basically, everything that I could do for that show was in between the songs. And for that, it's going to be more of your teen demographic or your early 20s. And so I got to talk a lot about gossip of the day. I'd look on various websites, see what was going on. Could also talk about, you know, movies and television that was geared more towards that demographic. Really a great experience and a lot of fun. I stayed there until the end of August 2012 when my lease was up. Then I ended up moving back to the Capital Region. And I actually thought, you know, there might be more opportunities moving to, you know, a bigger metropolitan area of New York State. So I looked around on the internet seeing what types of jobs were available for me that could be part-time, perhaps weekend, nights... We have a few big arena type theater areas where a lot of big bands will come into Albany on tour. There's the Times Union Center, there's the Palace Theater, there's the Egg, which is another smaller theater area, and there is Saratoga Performing Arts Center where all the summer shows come in because that's an outdoor amphitheater. And I was trying to see if maybe I could do front of house work for them, which would be engineering both lights and the music for a live performance, including theater or live bands or even, you know, dance performances that need music behind the movement. I discovered that for a lot of those bigger places, you actually have to be part of the union to get a job with them. Or they really just didn't have any spots open at the time besides custodial work, which isn't really where I wanted to take it. Um, I was looking more towards front of the house jobs or, you know, setting up for a live musician act that was playing. So I looked around at the local radio stations and it turns out that most of them have syndicated programming that they get over from L.A. or from the city. 
or they already have their established morning crew that comes in to record every morning during the weekdays. Their weekend people, you know, they've already been hired too. So not too many opportunities in radio here in the Capital Region. So weirdly enough, I go to Craigslist and just something catches my eye under part-time jobs. I found an ad for a wedding DJ position that was available in the Capital Region. So I sent my resume into Complete Events And I'm going to mention this just because I thought it was not that big of a deal and it turned out to be a really big deal. I applied on Craigslist to the position, filling stuff out, sending it electronically, your resume, the application, etc. But I also printed out a copy of my resume, both my audio resume and one that is more general that, you know, kind of has where you went to school, what your jobs have been, objective, programs, you know, the whole shebang. And I sent in really nice paper copies of both of those to the office as well. And when I got there for my interview, my boss ended up mentioning something about it. He said that he very rarely gets paper copies anymore. So once he saw that I had mailed one in and actually took the time to print it, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, go to the post office and mail it in, that he had to interview me because he knew that I had that attention to detail without even ever meeting me. So nice thing to note, maybe for some of these positions that you apply for online, you know, maybe send a paper copy in too, just to get that extra recognition of, hey, this person took the time to do it and, you know, it can get you an interview. You never know. I explained what I had done in school and what I had been doing on the radio station. I had been to a lot of personal weddings. It seemed like a fun job that I could do and most events are on the weekend, so it worked out perfectly with my schedule. I interviewed in October of 2012 and I got the job basically a month after I moved back to Albany. So I started doing DJ work for weddings, events. I was an MC as well as part of the position and would plan basically all the music for the events with the host, usually a bride and groom, but sometimes parents, sometimes for bridal showers, it would be the bridal party that would kind of hire me and get stuff together. It was such an honor to be a part of so many people's special events because I not only did weddings, but I also did help with graduation parties. Um, I did homecoming dances, proms. I did senior dances, which were actually some of the most fun events. I set up all the equipment by myself. Um, I set up, you know, the whole speaker system, including my mixing stand that would play music from the iTunes library. I worked for a company, so I was like an independent contractor for him. He owned all the equipment, and then we would go pick it up at the office before the event, drive it to the event, you know, set up everything yourself. And then at the end of the night, you tear it all down, pack it all up, and bring it back to the office. So it was a lot of learning of more of the engineering aspect of the business and, you know, getting out there doing live events, troubleshooting on the spot, setting up everything, keeping people entertained. And I continued that until June of 2016, just about three and a half years with that job. So it was around April of 2015 when I started thinking about if I could find something audio related that I could do from my own house, that I could do on my own time. And not necessarily be prescribed to, I have to show up to work this day, and this day, and this day, and organize this person's wedding, and organize this event, and go pick up equipment, and drive hours and hours to do the DJ thing. 
I was wondering if I could get something that was a little more home-based. And then it was like a light bulb moment and started thinking, you know, why don't I try this voice acting stuff? It was a small part of our curriculum at SUNY Plattsburgh. We did have to record plenty of projects, including commercials, PSAs. We did a radio drama. But for some reason, it didn't come to me while I was in school that voice acting could be something that I could pursue for a future career. You know, when I was a kid, I always thought, wouldn't it be pretty awesome to be a cartoon? And I didn't realize that there were actual people that did the voices of these cartoons. Like that was someone's job, was every day going into work and being a character that I watched all the time. I probably watched more cartoons than I should have, as my mother has told me. But it was, you know, really cool to have the light bulb moment of this is what I could really do for the rest of my life. And so I started thinking about what is the next step to make voiceover a reality. And so basically at that point, I started looking into what you need to do to become a voice actor, to get the voice acting work, what type of training you need. I contacted my advisor from SUNY Plattsburgh. He is great. He does a ton of stuff on the side. So he's not only a professor, but he also does his own production work and is really on the cutting edge of what's going on with the industry at all times. So I figured what better resource than talking to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. And so I chatted with him about what my thoughts were. And of course, he had to give the obligatory, you know, this is something that a lot of people want to do and they're willing to do it for free. So you have to be really careful with how you go about doing your demos, about putting yourself out there for auditions because you never know what's real and what's fake. And people are very willing to take advantage of you if you let them. So I kind of asked him where I should start. In my conversation with my advisor, he had mentioned a few different books that I could read to kind of jumpstart my thought process of voiceover work. One of those books was Making Money in Voiceovers, Winning Strategies to Successful Career in Commercials, Cartoons, and Radio. This was written by Terry Apple in 1999. Right off the bat, you can tell it's going to be a little bit dated. Uh, basically, when she was starting out, they were still using CDs as their demos and making their CDs, putting on the sticker with all their professional info and sending them to different agencies, casting directors, different projects that were asking for them. But her concepts are still very, very real to the voiceover world. She talks about practicing. She talks about getting your name out there. Um, she talks about the audition process and the things that she did in the beginning steps of her career. So I think it's a very useful book still to read. This is about her, so it has that biography feel to it, which made it a really easy read for me. Terry Apple is super famous in the voiceover world. She's done things like Rugrats. She's done commercials for McDonald's. And she's continuing to work, so it's a really great start in getting your strategies together for your career for this profession. The next book he mentioned to me to get started is called There's Money Where Your Mouth Is, a complete insider's guide to earning income and building a career in voiceovers. This was written by Elaine A. Clark, and the paperback was out in 2011, so this one's a little bit more contemporary. And the biggest difference for this one is it's more of a manual. So it's not a story about the author. It's a book that is 
going to go step by step. Each chapter is going to be a different segment of the voiceover field. So I'd compare this one more to like a school book that you're reading to learn more about voiceover work as compared to Terry's book, which was her biography also explaining the same concepts. This book being from 2011 may still be a little dated because technology is always getting better with each successive year. So keep that in mind when you're reading some of these books. I'm sure there's other new ones that are available. I actually went to the library to get these two books. So you could even just check with your local library to pick these up. They also sell them in all your regular bookstores. I found these two on Amazon real quick. There's endless options for other people trying to help you and teach you about the process of becoming a voiceover artist, as well as how you continue your career with it. All right, with that, I think we're going to end this podcast. Hopefully you guys have a little bit of a feel of how I started with this journey. And there's two great books that you guys can get started with. I'm Valerie, and this is Valerie Voiceover. Tune in next week for part two of my inaugural podcast episode. Thank you guys very much. Have a good one.